This season of The Ready State is sponsored by Territory Foods. If you've never heard of Territory Foods, they are a personalized nutrition company that has amazing, organic, locally sourced ingredients. And we're talking about whole foods here. I just want to just hit pause if we just had a, a general existential conversation about what it means to be a human being. One of those things is you're supposed to eat whole foods that have been cooked not in a shaker bottle. That is that is a terrible way to live. Shaker bottle, shaker bottle. Shaker bottle and bars. Here's the deal. If you are following the Whole30 or the Paleo diet or the Keto diet or the latest and greatest Pagan diet. Pagan? Pagan. It's a new thing. Uh, Territory Meals supports all those eating styles. And uh, on top of that, everything is, all the ingredients are high quality and locally sourced. We're going to challenge you this week to not eat a single bar. Do not drink a single meal replacement protein timed optimization human performance shake. Instead, make it about whole foods. And if that feels tricky for you, take all the money that you're going to dump into some whey protein product and go buy a territory meal. Get some whole food. And as soon as you're done working out, guess what? Food. Territory Foods serves more than 500 locations and thousands of doorsteps in Southern California, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Dallas-Fort Worth, and the San Francisco Bay Area. If you want to receive $25 off your first two orders, go to territoryfoods.com slash yum slash the ready state. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And this is The Ready State. You got it! You better stop it! You got it! You got it! We are thrilled to have Annie Sakamoto on the podcast today. If you know anything about early CrossFit or CrossFit at all, you've probably heard of Annie. She was one of the first women in the sport and went on to become a trainer, affiliate owner, competitor, and one of the most beloved icons in CrossFit. Annie was born in Lake Tahoe, California, but moved to Santa Cruz at 15 and found a love of water. She played water polo and surfed during high school and after graduating, spent time in Costa Rica and Kauai to surf. In 2004, she was back in Santa Cruz managing a restaurant and teaching cardio kickboxing classes when the also legendary Eva Tordokens introduced her to CrossFit and the rest is history. But we'll get the full story straight from Annie. Annie still lives in Santa Cruz and has been happily married for almost 16 years and has a daughter and son, Dylan and Israel. Enjoy. Annie Sakamoto, welcome to the Ready State. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are <laughs> we are thrilled. Okay, so he, here's here's what I we you are a legend. We've known. I mean, you have been in our lives since we took the first step in the greater kind of you know journey of this CrossFit experience. But I have to tell you that I think about you once a day, and here's why: not because of your legendary athletic status or the fact that you set the world record for bouncing off a ball air squatting or um, that you basically you know created a template for us all to chase but one time when you were going back to the games hard you leaned up very fast and someone asked you dude what have you been doing how did you get so lean and you just said oh I just stopped eating a bowl of cereal every night do you remember this? Yes. yes. So when I oftentimes am undercaloried, rolling into nighttime. We eat early with the girls, and then I have to eat again. And I'm like, Annie Sakamoto got so jacked by just saying no to the cereal. So I just want to let you know that I still think of you. And last night I was eating a bowl of life cereal, oh. thinking about you. Oh that my is God, my yeah. absolute favorite, Kelly. 
Life cereal is what I used to have. That was my absolute favorite. I don't think I've had a bowl in since 2011. And I don't think I've had abs since 2011. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the um, the nighttime desserts. Like to me, cereal is not a, a breakfast food at all, of course, and it shouldn't be an anytime food. But if I were to eat it at all, it's definitely like a dessert food. I am 100% with you. I totally agree. Yeah, just, you know, I think I think whoever loves cereal just invent. I think you invented carb backloading through cereal. <laughs> I was okay, okay. I was ahead of the times unintentionally. Always still legend, ahead of the times. Okay, so go. we um, first question out of the the gate we've been asking everyone on the season is mm-hmm. how did you first become CrossFit aware? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your CrossFit origin story. How did you hear about it? How did you start doing it? Um, how did you start being one of the only women who could do certain moves at the beginning um, <laughs> is move girls. is move the right word movement. Um, just, you know, give us, give us the backstory. Um, okay. So in the early nineties, I was taking a hip hop class. I was, I think like a senior in high school and I took a hip hop class from a girl named Carolyn. And um, one of the girls that also took the class was um, a girl by the name of Eva Twardokins. So I met Eva in the early 90s. I stopped taking the class. Um, I I went to college. I moved away for a little while. I came back and I bumped back into Carolyn. um, And I was going to UCSC. I was starting to teach some cardio kickboxing. And by that, I mean like Tybo, Billy Blank style kickboxing. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Fitnessing. Um, uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, And... I bumped through Carolyn, I bumped back into Eva. And Eva said, hey, if you're into this whole fitness thing, I've got this program called CrossFit that I've been doing that I really think you would love. And I guess somehow, some way I had heard about CrossFit. Obviously, I was living in Santa Cruz. It was, um, you know, it it came to be in Santa Cruz. Um, And all I had heard is that people throw up. And I was like, (laughs) why would I do CrossFit and throw up when I am so uber fit from my Tybo kickboxing here. Why would I do that? And and Eva was like, no, 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 not everybody throws up. You don't need to throw up. You know, just come. I'll do a personal training session with you and you'll see. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Uh, and I went and she had me do three rounds of 10 deadlifts at 65 pounds, mm. uh, 10 pass-throughs, on the pommel horse, we had a pommel horse at the original gym, and a 400 meter run, which, you know, not totally understanding intensity, if it wasn't to a rave beat uh, kickboxing class, uh, was a 400 meter jog. So I did three rounds, and I was like, this is CrossFit. You guys should come take my Tybo class, because I'm obviously much fitter than the rest of you. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. So I came home, I told my husband about it, and he had actually trained a couple times with a couple of his surf buddies um, in the late 90s. And he was like, yeah, I've heard of CrossFit. You know, I've done it. I would do a a class with you. So a couple days later, we went to the 7 a.m. class at the original CrossFit gym. And it was a, they had a workout where it was a 500 meter row, some number of kettlebell swings, some number of air squats three trips around the cargo net and 25 glute ham sit-ups, three rounds. But this time, I, I guess to impart intensity, 
Greg did a staggered start. So you were trying to catch the person in front of you and trying not to let the person who started behind you catch you. Uh, And obviously that was the intensity piece that I wasn't understanding on that first one. Um, So I did all three rounds. I did all three rounds of 25 glute ham sit-ups all the way back, all the way up. And I had never (laughs) done a glute ham sit-up before in my life. What could go wrong? And you got abdo. Full abdo. The next day I was like, oh, I'm kind of sore. This feels good. Two days later, my belly was distended. I couldn't laugh, fart, cough, sneeze, bend, squat, anything. I told my husband he had to take me to the hospital. I had a hernia. There was something wrong. And he was like, well, let's just wait. And he went and talked to Greg and Lauren. And they were like, eh, just wait a couple days. And sure enough, it got better. Uh, And then that was it. For me, I was hooked. I had never felt intensity, not just the soreness, but just kind of the push in a workout that I felt um, in that workout. And for me, it was an immediate hook. And And that was it. One of the things I think people forget is that no one, like you might do some of those things, you know, for in, in your training because you came out, I mean, there were athletes before CrossFit, but the intensity was brand new. And the things that we usually hear as people source workouts now are sort of like good warmups. They're kind of laughable, but I think we've completely forgotten how devastating that intensity was the first time it hit you. The first time you did all those air squats and a row and ran and actually went hard at the clock, it really ruined you. Oh yeah. It was a feeling like you had never had before because again, even with kickboxing, with my, you know, fastest beat going on, on the music, you, you got breathing heavy, but that, that kind of push that those, um, some of those early, uh, workouts would impart, it was just, I'd never felt anything like that before. You know, I mean, if we used, uh, Pukey the Clown, and losing your cookies a little bit as, as a, an, an allegory, we had people throw up all the time. And there was even a ritual around our gym early on. We had this snake head that belonged to Mark Ripito. <laughs> and if you, if you puked, you had to have your picture taken kissing this rattlesnake head. <laughs> it's still in our garage. You're such a weirdo. Well, you know, about that. kissing the snake was what it meant. And, but now I can't tell you the last time someone got nauseous from exercising. Like that has changed. Entirely. Have you the same experience with you? Definitely. And actually, to be honest, I have never thrown up in my 15 years of CrossFit. Me either. Awesome. No, me yeah. either. Me either. And I don't know that it's a sign of of pushing yourself to the max. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe it is, but I've just never gotten there. But I would agree. There are fewer people in our gym that throw up now, if ever, than, than 11 years ago when we opened the current gym that we're in. So I really want to talk about your current gym, but before I do that, um, obviously you were into cardio, kickboxing, Taibo, but tell us a little bit about your, I know that you do lots of sports and activities, but tell us about your sort of early athletic life. Yeah, particularly because like I think people forget college. sometimes that uh, some of our, our most storied and successful CrossFitters are actually athletes yeah, before they before. found CrossFit. Okay, well, I'm not one of them. <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I, I grew up in Lake Tahoe until I was a sophomore, and I moved to Santa Cruz as a sophomore. Um, and I had dabbled in a lot of sports: volleyball, track, 
uh, even basketball one year. I came down, I tried out soccer, water polo, swimming, diving, and I was completely mediocre at every sport I ever played. Um, I wasn't the worst, but I was nowhere near the best. Uh, but for me, I just really loved being part of a team and the kind of the ritual of practice. I, I loved going to practices. I loved, you know, putting out an effort, but coordination wise and still to this day, like especially hand-eye coordination, I'm, <laughs> it is not my thing. <laughs> so, um, Tell me a little bit. So, you know, you and your husband are going to CrossFit classes like as as members of the original CrossFit. How did you make that transition from athlete to deciding you want to coach? It, uh, it was funny. Greg actually approached me probably just a few months um, into having, you know, being an athlete at the gym. And he said, hey, you know, we're doing a certification seminar in a month. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I really want you to take it and become a coach. And I was like, no, I, 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 you know, this is too new for me. I don't really know how much I like it or if I'm going to stick with it. I don't really want to do it. And he was like, no, I'm going to, you know, I really want you to take this certification um, and I'd like you to coach. And so I reluctant, reluctantly did the weekend seminar and, and loved it. And he gave me It was still three class. days back then, right? Three yes. days long. Yep. Mm -hmm. Greg can spot talent, man. <laughs> well, and then he he um, gave me a class and I was so petrified um, those first, you know, I, I mean, if I was ever close to throwing up, it was probably before I coached more than from a workout. <laughs> um, and I just slowly really realized how much I loved it. Um, so I think within maybe six to eight months of taking that, that seminar and teaching my first classes, I gave up my job managing a restaurant to just coach full time. So I have to go back to those early days of watching you and Eva and Nicole in some of those legendary videos. And what was it like for you guys as women, I, I guess, to be like the first people who could do some of these moves that now everybody takes for granted, like everybody can do a muscle up and everybody can, you know, but I mean, remember there used to be a, a PDF with everyone who could do a muscle up, you and there were like on eight the people, yeah. and there were like eight people on that. Good and, memory, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, it, as someone who watched that and was inspired by those in the early CrossFit days, you know, what was it like to be on the other end of that? You know, to be honest, I was so naive and unaware in those early days that I didn't even, t I, I couldn't even fathom. Um, how big of a deal it was, the things that we could do and kind of the boundaries that we were pushing. We were, we were so in that little box and as athletes, men and women, we were really pushing each other, but I don't know that I could even begin to understand, um, the degree of difficulty of some of the stuff that we were doing. Like the first time Lauren gave us ring dips. Um, and I did a couple and she was like, okay, wait, save those. I'm going to have you do this thing on the rings. And she coached me verbally through a muscle up. I had never seen somebody do a muscle up before. <laughs> she just verbally coached me through it. And I got up there and, um, while it was difficult, I think I made it up my second try. I, I, I just still was As one not... does. <laughs> oh, is, is this good? 
<laughs> like this, you mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't even, I don't think I f- could fully grasp that what we were doing was so extraordinary. You know, that's one of my favorite early memories of owning a CrossFit, actually, and one that brought me so much joy. And I don't know if you experienced this, but it was, you know, when the women started to be able to do all this radical stuff, like even pull-ups and then linking tons of pull-ups. And we radical would have stuff like pull-ups. Well, and, and that's that, how was much the kind world of, that was kind of radical back then for like a woman to be able to bang out like 10 or 15 or 20 pull-ups in a row was like, whoa. And I'll, I'll never forget how the, the many, many times I would see a man come to his first ever CrossFit class and watch a group of women be able to bang out like 20 pull-ups and just see in his eye, I was like, oh, we've got this guy for life because he just witnessed these women do 20 pull-ups in a row and he can't even do one pull-up and like this guy is going to be a member forever. Right. And it, it is so much perspective, right? Because nowadays, like Kelly's saying, like you walk in and if you see a woman doing 15, 20 pull-ups in a row, you don't think anything of it. It doesn't even mean she's a games athlete, games caliber athlete at this point. Um, right. But as a, as a coach, I also have to remember that, you know, I can have somebody walk in and especially as females, we've never been asked to do pull-ups in our life. Um, and you know, we have a lot of female athletes that might start and they can be very intimidated by the fact that all these women are, are ripping off 15, 20 pull-ups in a row. And so you really have to keep that perspective of while it is kind of ordinary in a lot of gyms, it still is kind of extraordinary, um, that, that we're doing it. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes it's, it's, it's not spoken to enough just how radical it was that men and women trained together. That was sort of a radical idea, right? That you guys did the same thing and everyone was responsible for the same workloads. That was also crazy. Because I remember even when we were pulling, because I was crossfitting on my own and then Juliet was like, oh, you're doing that, you're on that website again. (laughs) And and then Juliet got into it and she was like, all these things involve pull-ups. And I remember being like, well, Annie can do all the pull-ups. What's the problem? You know, yeah, it was like a yeah. big hurdle for me to get over, like being able to do a pull up. And then I was like, oh, OK, now I can do them. And then that was when I started losing to Juliet every day. <laughs> you were like, um, darn it. Why did I teach her how to do those pull ups? Yeah, like, who am I kidding? I've been losing to Juliet for decades now. OK, so uh, on this season of the podcast, we, of course, already talked to Hollis of CrossFit Santa Cruz. And so we got a little bit of the backstory about, um, you know, you guys were all working at the original main CrossFit and then. Greg and Lauren wanted to close that down and you guys all kind of splintered off and started other CrossFits. Can you tell us a little bit about that and when you started, when that happened, when you started your CrossFit and so forth? Yeah. So I think it must've been late 2007 and Greg and Lauren were living in Prescott and I was kind of helping manage the gym and it was just becoming apparent that that was too hard. Like I would, I would call them to say, we need you to order toilet paper. You know, it just got super silly. Um, and there was a lot of us, I think probably t- about 12 or 14 of us training out of that original gym. Um, and so we all decided very amicably that it was time to create a, a couple of gyms out of that original gym and for Greg and Lauren to shut down um, that original space. And so I was really lucky myself, uh, Rob Miller, Eva T., uh, Jimmy Baker, um, and then Michelle Moot walked down the street, uh, basically where the 200-meter turnaround was for the 400-meter run, and there was an old Volvo repair shop that um, had just moved out. And so there was huge bay doors, kind of like the original gym, um, 
and they were looking for tenants. And the five of us chose that space. It was really smart in our eyes because we were going to keep a lot of the original clients. They were only going to have to drive 200 more meters down the road. <laughs> and we opened that space in two, early 2008. So we've been there for over 11 years now. And you guys are still in that same old Volvo dealership, right? Correct. Yeah. The same space. Yeah. yeah. The, the owners have changed since. Um, so Michelle had moved out of town. She came back, but when she moved, she bought out. Um, Eva bought out um, a few years ago and so did Rob Miller. So that left myself and Jim Baker. By the way, Jim Baker says hello to both of you. Oh, tell him we said hey. The best. Yeah, the best. Um, and then we took on another lady, Helene Bouchard, who has just been amazing. She ran a company here in Santa Cruz called SCO. <clears throat> so organ organizationally, Jimmy and I would have been so lost without Helene. And so she's been a great addition to our ownership. Let me jump in because people who are listening are, you know, are CrossFitters who get a glimpse back. One of the things that people struggle with in when they own a CrossFit is they always start with friends, right? Yeah. And then the management of having a lot of big personalities in there. You guys seem to have been doing this very well. Do you guys have a secret besides Jimmy Baker? Do you have a secret to uh, to to succeeding with multiple partners in a in a small and competitive gym environment, which is Santa Cruz? It's funny that you say that. I mean, really, Jimmy Baker is definitely one of our biggest secrets. He's um, just the way he's able to work with both Helene and I and sit down and look at, at situations very rationally and, and non-emotionally is incredible. Uh, but the three of us in general have a very good um, open line of communication. We definitely don't always see eye to eye, but we are so respectful of each other that we are able to talk through any scenario that that comes up. Um, it was good. Even when there was the five of us originally, it was great that we were an odd number because um, although that was in a more emotional group, uh, with five, it would just sometimes come down to a vote. Um, but now with the three of us, we've never actually had to vote on anything. Uh, we've been able to work through it. But I think, like you said, Jimmy Baker is kind of part of that dynamic for sure. Lifetime PR snatch in your gym. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I, oh, I remember that. That was unbelievable. Um, so I'd like to get into talking a little bit about your long and storied career as a CrossFit Games athlete. But um, I read that you actually didn't jump right into doing the CrossFit Games when they first started. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about that and then sort of just give us like your statistics, like how many games you competed in. And then, then we then want to talk about your most recent competition, but let's first go through your games career. You bet. So, um, 2007 was the first year of the games here in Aromas. Um, <clears throat> and my daughter was probably about nine or 10 months at that time. Um, and so, I had said that I just didn't feel quite ready to compete since, you know, I was kind of still coming off of that pregnancy. Um, in kind reality, of. Well, <laughs> in reality, I used it as an excuse because I was very um, nervous at, you know, how I would do in that competition and how that would stack up to what I thought the community would expect of me. Um, so I really, for the first few years of the games, um, 
would come up with excuses of why I couldn't compete. But, but it just really came down to the fact that I was nervous that if I didn't take first place, that the community would be let down. Um, so in 2009, I was part of a team. Again, that's really just kind of a comfort zone, right? You can hide behind um, the rest of the team, whether you do well or not well. Um, and then in 2011, that was the first year of the Open. <clears throat> and that we had already open, uh, been in the new space. And a lot of people in our gym wanted to do the open. And so I felt like as an owner, I needed to do the open with them. So I did it with them. And lo and behold, I found myself qualifying for the NorCal regionals. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do regionals because I really have no intention of going to the games, yada, yada. And I had a couple of people say, no, you qualified. You have to go to regionals. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to regionals. It, it, it won't matter because I haven't been training to go to the CrossFit Games, so it should be fine. Um, and on the last day, I found myself in third place. Um, and it was actually, I was tied for points with China Cho, but because I had had a first place finish on the first workout, um, I ended up qualifying. I remember that. I watched that. Yep. And I was remember, amazing. I remember thinking this is so silly because I'm not going to go to the CrossFit Games. And China Cho came up to me in the back and she said, you better go to the CrossFit Games. You know, and I don't know if she had overheard me talking to somebody about not wanting to go or, or if it was just by chance or what it was. But when she said that to me, because she was devastated, she wanted nothing more than to go to the CrossFit Games. And here I was, I had earned a position and wasn't going to take it. And when she said that, I was like, all right, I have to go to the CrossFit Games. Um, and so I went and it was, it was amazing. You know, it was, I had some great events that year and I had some, some events that were really hard for me that year that I, that I was the only one out on the floor still working. Um, and, and I just had that realization of like, the community doesn't care how I finish. They just care that I'm giving my best effort and they love me no matter what. Um, and, and, I you were the only, and you were the only mother out there. Yeah. Was I that year? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I was, I, I, and I just had a blast. Um, so I, in 2012, I was gunning to go back. I made it back. Um, so, so 2011, I finished ninth place and I got the Spirit of the Games Award. Um, Can I just interrupt you? Because I want to go to 2012, but was was one of the workouts in 2011, you guys having to drag something, you were like pulling something across the stadium floor. Do you remember this? Yep. That was, and, the and very, I remember, that was the very last thing of the yes, very last workout. Yeah. And I remember why I like, I have a memory of you doing that burned into my mind. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I'm like, wow, Annie probably weighs 50 pounds less than all these women. <laughs> That's got to matter. Anyway, proceed. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And, and again, it was, you know, that year taught me that, um, you know, when you compete, there's things that you think you're going to be good at and you're going to tank at. And there's things that you think you're going to tank at and you do amazing at. And there's going to be times when you're on the, you're the last one on the floor and you just want the lights to go out and the clock to stop and nobody to be looking at you. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to push through and it's going to be actually more of a, of a victorious feeling than some of the workouts that you win or do really well at. 
Um, and it inspired me to want to go back. So 2012, I requalified. I went back and I think I got 23rd that year. Um, I had a couple snafus, but again, I, I, I had so much fun. 2013, they moved the regionals up to, um, uh, where was that? Sonoma? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Sonoma fairgrounds. County Fairgrounds. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I just missed going that year. Um, and then uh, 2014 and 15, I, I qualified for regionals. By then, I was I was closing in on 40. It was pretty tough to go up against. The, the caliber of athlete was was getting better and better. And by so this point, you tough. have two kids now too, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Even in 2011, I had two kids. Yeah, right. Um, but they were getting older, and I was getting older is more the, the, the bigger thing there. Um, but I still really enjoyed regionals. I, I enjoyed uh, training or excuse me, competing with the ladies that I was competing against. Um, but then 2016, um, I was 40. So I qualified for master's division. Um, and I got second place that first year as a master. 2017, I requalified as a master um, and I finished third that year. And then 2018, I declined my invitation um, it was, it just, you know, I'm sure you guys know it's almost easier when your kids are younger and they have less activities and things going on. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of years, it's, you know, I, I want, I don't want to miss my daughter's volleyball game or my son's baseball game because I have to train. Yeah. I'm just not willing to do that. So well, you, you it is, it is so much easier too. When they're little, it's like you take them to the preschool and they're there all day and they yeah. do that. And that's their only thing. And now totally. it's like 5,000 different things. And you know, I totally feel you. Well, you yeah. still kind of get a chance to compete a little bit. I mean, you just went to the rogue invitational legends. How yeah, did that feel that. coming back and competing it with all of those, let's just hired guns, gangsters. I mean, those people were, <laughs> and, and I'll just say that um, from a spectator standpoint, especially for Kelly and I being OGs, that was a total pleasure to watch, but tell us what it was like from your end. Well, that was, um, that was such a fun experience um, because, you know, right, of course, right before the first uh, event starts, I'm like, what am I doing? I hate this. I hate competing. I'm not a competitor because I was so nervous. And then as soon as three, two, one go happens, I'm just so in the zone. And I realize, like, no, I'm a competitor. I love being out here. I love having the opportunity to get uncomfortable, you know, and not just like physically uncomfortable, but but more mentally uncomfortable, really nervous and to have to deal with that anxiety. Um, and just to have a, you know, for us, it was great because nothing was really on the line besides bragging rights. It wasn't like we were trying to qualify or there was a huge purse to win. It was really just for fun. Um, and then to do all of that with that group of people, with Jason Kalipa and Rebecca Voigt and Kristen Clever and Miko Salo and, you know, all of those people, Spieler, it was just, we had so much fun. Are you still coaching classes? Yep, every day, seven days a week right now. So if I wanted to come down to your gym and just work out with you, I could? Any day, seven days a week. Let's do so it. You just did a CrossFit competition. So ergo, you still CrossFit? How has your training, your personal training changed as you've gotten older? Wiser. Um, exactly, wiser. No, and that that is really what it comes down to. So I'm really lucky. I work with um, Jason Lydon from CrossFit Milford. 
Um, and he's been my coach since 2000, uh, late 2015, when I was gunning for the 2016 games. He's a smarty pants. He's such a smarty pants. And as somebody that is, you know, 39 years old himself and a father of two and runs an affiliate, um, I feel like the workload that he gives me is so appropriate for the time and energy that I have. Like, I, I feel like he challenges me, but he doesn't, it's not about high repetition for me anymore. It's not about super heavy loading all the time. He just, he can, he can give me a really good stimulus without it being a ton of quote unquote work, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, and so that you actually can recover and yeah, um, you know, because I mean, that's, game, right? yeah, I mean, that's what I've noticed in my 40s is, you know, I used to just be able to smash myself like seven days a week and I'd be fine and ready to go. And now it's like she's all the way down to six days a week. Well, no, I just, <laughs> if I, I see now that I need more time to recover. I mean, that's the biggest thing I notice. Yeah, it really is. And you have to be so much more diligent. Like, okay, did I eat enough food? Did I go to bed at the right time? Did I sleep long enough? Did I, you know, be and then juggling all that with being a parent you know, making sure everybody's teeth is brushed at the end of the night and (laughs) everybody's gone pee and done this and whatever it is, it's not just you. And, um, so the recovery piece is so much more important, but you know, Jason's great too, because I'll say, Oh, I didn't get to this piece. I had to go. And he, he's never like, you know, Oh, you should have done it. Or what he's always just like, don't worry, move on. Your husband is a pretty good athlete in his own right. We'll just say he's 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 a decent athlete. <laughs> you have a, a a proven track record of being a monster. What are your kids like? Lazy. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so lazy. Well, so because this is the question, right? A lot of us came with athletic experience into CrossFit, and then you know, and really liked that it was short, and we could get our lives back, and we could didn't have to lurk in the gym for hundreds of hours, and we could go play sports still. And then all of a sudden we see we do see a generation of kids who are like, oh, CrossFit's the thing. So they it is so much CrossFit without a lot of play, which was completely against the original mandate of CrossFit in the first place, which was go play a lot, right? Yep. How do you manage that balance between having kids who've grown up in a gym, around a gym, and the need to be a be an athlete, an athlete and compete and learn in these other games? Well, and I, you know, I want my kids to cherish and crave physical activity. Um, but I never, uh, you know, for me, they've, I've never pushed them to to do CrossFit. They do a CrossFit kids class when they're not doing sports. But for me, the priority is sports. Um, so my daughter plays volleyball. She's going to play beach volleyball this summer. Um, she's, she's kind of between school volleyball and beach volleyball right now. So she is doing kids CrossFit just to, um, stay in shape and stay active. Um, and then she'll do junior lifeguards also in the summer. So once that hits, I kind of back off on the CrossFit. Um, my son is just a baller. It like soccer, football, baseball, basketball, whatever ball he can put in his hands, he wants to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he actually doesn't do a ton of CrossFit. He will here and there. But for me, I... I really want them to play sports mainly because I want them to be part of a team. I think learning how to be on a team um, is so important. So I, I really emphasize that 
And then the CrossFit is kind of like, all right, if you're not going to do sports, you're not going to sit at home and play Fortnite or be on Instagram. You're going to go work out. Well, and I think, you know, one of our main goals is to, is exactly what you say that, and I liked how you put it, that we want to teach our kids to like crave physical activity. Um, You know, like my hope is that even if they don't play college sports or, you know, have their athletic careers go beyond high school in any kind of formal way that like they'll be motivated to train anyway because they've learned how to crave that and, and that it feels good and take care of themselves. And, exactly. you know, so, I mean, that's my ultimate hope is just regardless of, you know, our, our kids both played water polo and other sports, but it's like, you know, I just hope they want to keep moving. Exactly. And, and I can see that in um, my 12 year old daughter, like when she hasn't exercised for a few days, uh, she gets, you know, she gets kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, bitchy. And she now can recognize that and knows that she needs to go out and do something. She needs to get physical because it, it, it affects her mental state. Um, and even just her ability to like do her homework and that kind of stuff is so much better when she's had physical activity. And it's just really neat to see now at 12 that, that, that she's more self-motivated to do that kind of stuff. Um. We have a 13, now 14-year-old who uh, is going to wake up one day and be like, what? I own a gym. I have all access to all this technology. But even still, I have to be like, Georgia, we're going out and we're muscle snatching. And she's like, Dad, I hate muscle snatches. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that, uh, you know, these deep relationships, you know, it's it's so fun for us to, to talk to the people who are so important to us when we began this conversation. But I'd love to just talk about a second about uh, our mutual friend, Eva Tordokim mm-hmm. and sort of, uh, can you just, the people who are listening, because Eva was such a, I mean, you guys were so iconic. And I think in this virtual community in the beginning, the three of you, Nicole Carroll, Eva T and you, we would just, we watched everything you did because you were the examples of how to do it and what it looked like. And you know, what we, was possible. I mean, I still picture of you doing a sit up with a log laughing your butt off like that. It was one of the main <laughs> site forever and ever. And that's burned in my head. Can you give us an update about Eva T? Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, Eva T, who owns her own small airplane, um, was in an, a plane accident Um I think it was uh, early February and she was in critical condition for quite a while. She had to have a good chunk of her skull removed um, because she had a pretty bad brain hematoma. Um, They eventually moved her to Santa Clara Valley Med, which was more of a rehab facility. Um, And she physically, she's doing great. She had, she had some um, surgeries done on her left ankle. I believe she had broken some vertebrae, but she's physically healing up really well. Um, Mentally, cognitively, that's definitely a harder battle right now for her. I visited her twice. And um, the first time a lot of her language was missing. And it was, um, there was a lot of gibberish and kind of what, what she was saying. The second time where she, and that was, she had actually had the craniotomy where they put the piece of skull back on. They had to fabricate a piece of skull out of titanium, but they put that back on and it actually promoted um, a lot of healing and she's doing a lot better. Um, They just recently, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, moved her home. She, her boyfriend, Mitch is living with her. But she has somebody come in for eight hours during the day. Um, 
to, to hang out with her while Mitch is working. And, you know, if anybody can come back to their fullest potential from an incident like this, it is definitely Eva T. She is somebody that is so passionate and driven um, and just ready to do whatever the work is that needs to be done to um, get to the place where she wants to be. You know, if anybody's willing to do that, it's Eva. Um, and she's, she's, as far as I know right now, I haven't seen her in a few weeks. She's still making really good progress. Yeah, that's what we understand. Thank you so much yeah, for thank you. Yeah. Her, yeah, thank you. She's just such a legend and we've been following her. So one of the story. things that we, you know, we now have 15 years more of experience with this, with this, this incredible community project which has evolved and matured and, and become incredible. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself, talk to yourself early, I mean, obviously you got over some fear issues and things, but what would you go back, even as an early coach or an early athlete, what would you counsel yourself now, knowing and have all the experience that you have? Probably in just, um, you know, I think at first, I, I was so... Um, hellbent on teaching people the intensity piece of CrossFit uh, before teaching them all of the complete form and function piece of CrossFit. And what's beautiful about CrossFit is not just the intensity, but um, the potential in the form and functionality of it all. And I think that in those early days as a, as a trainer, you, I was so ready to just like beat people down. <laughs> um, and now as a, as a trainer, I'm so much more concerned with um, moving them slowly and teaching them correctly the first time I teach them a movement. Um, even if that means we don't put quite as much intensity on it, I feel like we have so many more things that we can um, use to to do the quote unquote intensity piece, which is um, a little less risky, whether that's a sled push or an assault bike or just other things. That's and right. it doesn't need to be a heavy thruster or 75 unbroken pull-ups or, you know, whatever it is. I just, um, I, I would have slowed myself down in those I, early I years. crushed people on the bike today. Yes. Yeah. But right? even and when you were saying that, I think about like the early days and how many times Kelly and Adrian in particular, like smashed people with their experimental ideas. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and then, you know, the same, they started pulling back on the intensity and focusing on the mechanics. Yep. And I think that's just it is as long as coaches, as coaches, we can understand, ooh, there's a better way to do this and we're willing to change then that's all this whole thing's about, right? We're all evolving and progressing and trying to get better and learning from each other. Um, so I don't fault any of us in those early years for doing what we were doing. The more important thing is that we're learning from some of our early mistakes and changing those ways. I apologize to some of our athletes who are still <laughs> training with us from the very first, from our backyard. I'm yes. like, hey, I, if I haven't said this this week, I'm so sorry. It was so bad. <laughs> right. So, and you were probably better than the rest of us. <laughs> I'll tell you is that our newest coach in the gym is better than me at like when I started. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but, um, he, but he's probably learning from you. <laughs> uh, Annie, I can't let you go on this season of the podcast without asking you how the WAD Annie came to be. Um, if there's a story behind that and if you've actually done Annie before. 
or I, Annie because, again. Because there okay. aren't that many people who actually have a named CrossFit workout named after themselves. I yeah. Um, I wish I knew the story. I wish it was a little bit more like um, Kelly Moore's story. Um, if you know the story about the workout, Kelly or Nicole's um, story. Oh yeah. Or Nicole's exactly. Um, I I don't know. I, I love double unders. I am horrible at ab mat sit-ups, but I don't know if Lauren totally knew that when she made the workout, Annie, or if it was just by chance. I actually am not very good at Annie because I am so horrible at ab mat sit-ups. I like have to pull at my pant legs to sit up. It's, it's, I won the L-sit in the 2011 games, Yes, but I cannot do sit-ups to save my life. <laughs> I think that is a good origin story. You're like, Annie's named after you and you can't do ab mat sit-ups. Hey yes. kid, keep striving. You'll get there someday. <laughs> right. Yeah. But everybody I, else is like struggling to learn a muscle up and you're like, yep, yep. I can't do ab mat sit-ups. I can't do ab mat sit-ups. <laughs> so but besides yeah. competing as a legend, mm-hmm. having two thriving kids, crazy, great community, running yeah. a business, what else are you working on? Where are you going? Where am I going? Just trying to keep the business um, current. And, you know, I mean, it's, I'm of the era where like social media is hard. It's hard to do social media for me. Um, Other than that, you know, to be honest, okay, if I, if there's one thing I would like to do, it would be to, to get surfing again a little bit more. We, we take the kids out here and there, but you know, when I, before I started competing, I was surfing a ton. Um, and I don't surf nearly as much anymore. Uh, but every time I get out of the water, I go, I'm going to surf tomorrow. That was so much fun. Um, so if there's one thing I'm striving for, it's to get in the water more. Yeah. You know, Kelly and I have been kind of focused on that the last few years too, is like, Hey, we love to mountain bike and we love to stand up paddle. And you know, how can we fit that into our lives more? Yep. Yep. It's, it's making the time to do that. Yes. Especially when there's so many thrusters to do. Just kidding. <laughs> Amy, oh, what's the, tell us I the name of your CrossFit gym. How can people come and drop into Santa Cruz and come find you? We are CrossFit Santa Cruz Central. Uh, one of our claim to fame is we are just 200 meters down from that original CrossFit gym. Um, and we are online, www.crossfitsantacruzcentral.com. Um, and we would, we have drop-ins all the time. We actually just bought a world map that we're going to put up because we have so many, um, drop-ins from all around the world. So we're going to start tracking who's coming from where. That is a great idea. That's it. We, we actually do that at San Francisco CrossFit and it's amazing to see it visually. So I totally recommend doing it. Awesome. I'm excited about it. Annie Sakamoto. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Annie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com. The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under mobilitywad. That's W-O-D as in workout of the day. Till next time, cheers, everyone. You got it!
Kelly Starrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You better stop it.